Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 11, Episode 12, titled The Lucky Ones. Uh, Aaron, what'd you think? Are, are we the lucky ones getting to watch this episode? Is that what they're saying to me? I don't think we're... The, I don't feel lucky. I don't feel lucky. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Uh, oh, no. It's th- one of those episodes. Th- well, I mean, this wasn't a bad episode. It's just one of the... It, it's just starting to feel like... I don't know. Uh, we were just talking about this on lunch before we recorded that. Like, I felt like the walking dead went through another mini golden era in season nine and like the first and, until like the last three or four episodes of season 10. But it does feel like the wheels are coming off a little bit in terms of, you know, I don't, there's, a, there's a lot of things that just going feel like going through the numbers. I actually thought that the the social commentary they're going for was a little bit more on target this episode, a little bit more interesting, a little bit more nuanced because you got the essentially the power brokers talking about how they broker power. But yeah. stuff like just the zombies just mm-hmm. feels so like, well, shit, it's been a couple minutes since the one showed up. Let's go ahead and throw one in there. Stuff like that. It just there's a little bit of. um uh, the, the, the wheezing towards the, the finish line going on here. Um, but it was better than last episode, and some of For the sure. stuff that they, they're doing was interesting. Uh, what'd you think about it? Uh, yeah, I definitely like it better than the last episode. I felt like when, when, when Maggie and Pamela are sitting down talking, we're kind of getting maybe a different social commentary than I expected, and one that might be better. Uh, I felt like there was a tension coming out in this episode that was between like large communities of people and small communities of people, not necessarily Mm. like, you know, draconian authoritarian uh, systems versus, you know, social whatever. Uh, Yeah. And I'm a little bit more interested in that because I I think there there is something to say for small communities. You know, we've we've talked many times in the past about how you can really only care for X amount of people in your life. It's what 200 something like that yeah somewhere in that range yeah right so you get these small communities and everybody can be a leader right you don't need uh to have one person's vision dominating over everybody else's and that's you know when you you put that into uh lance's terms right where he is talking with maggie and saying wouldn't it feel great to have fifty thousand people working on your vision of the future i'm like yeah yeah, that might feel great for Maggie, but how do those other 50,000 people feel, right? They, have they been consulted sure. on their vision of the future? Why Why aren't we working as a community to build a vision of the future? Um, those things were more interesting to me, more uh, something I was willing to engage with more in this very silly show that has 
a bunch of you know obligatory walker scenes too I agree in the fact that there's realistic drama like you know Maggie thinking that uh, she's making the decision for Hilltop and then like a third of Hilltop's like you know what fuck this wish you well don't yeah. don't hate you but we're not we're tired we're tired of living like uh, dirty little road hippies uh, I thought that was kind of neat and that there was a believable kind of sense of not betrayal and, and surprise but definitely that too um, uh-huh. and, and yeah. worry that she's not making the right decision yeah sure it felt and that it might be fucking up ever and other people's deals too like okay well you want the right to self-determination and you want everybody to be the boss but like if two of the three other communities don't and it's a package deal like what price your individual out of individualism and freedom compared to yeah the safety and health and well-being of the other people in the community and i thought when we got into uh you know them talking about how Oceanside isn't on board unless Hilltop is on board and that being a problem mm-hmm. I was like why is this in any way a problem just bring Alexandria into the fold who gives a shit about the other two yeah. but then they make an explicit point that like this is about Lance's ambition too and he wanted to kind of about- create his own mm-hmm. little empire within yep. the empire um, and that made mm-hmm. it make all the more sense so I felt like they were pretty smart in that way. And and by the end of this episode, I was no longer side-eyeing some of the questions I had before. Yeah, I agree. Although I was side-eyeing Oceanside. Like, I thought Oceanside was destroyed. <laughs> I don't know why people bring... are starving. You got, a, right? you, got, you got a community 20 minutes away on the ocean in the apocalypse. What, did you run out of fish? This what nullifies shit? everything that happened in the last half <laughs> yeah. season, right? It's Yeah, man. It was stupid yeah. uh, to, to bring Oceanside back into the mix because, yeah, the fact that they exist means none of that stuff had to happen. But here we are, mm-hmm. halfway through season 11, and I guess that's just the show we're going to get. Yeah, I thought that painted glass was destroyed. I don't, I don't know. What happens? What happens in the writer's room when they go, ah, shit, we just created a conundrum that actually isn't one, and we have written an entire half season around this arc that could have been so easily solved by simply moving people to an existing community. They say, cocktails, let's settle this tomorrow. And then they just go, then they forget, and they start breaking the next episode. So. Yeah, they see their paychecks come in, and they're like, yeah. It's not so bad. My life's pretty good. Yeah. 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 Must be. Uh, So we don't usually have breaking news, but we had a little bit of news broke this week. It was brought to us by many, many people. But the first one by my counts is Christian E who says, will they please just stop already? And she uh, sent or maybe he um, sent a EW an entertainment weekly article that says there's a new Walking Dead spinoff called Isle of the Dead, which will see Maggie and Negan working together in a zombie-filled Manhattan. Now, like I mentioned, there, 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 there's this kind of like, I, I thought there's been a new golden age ever since the Kang era began, where they had a solid run of a show that seems like it likes its characters and respects its world and is not going to lean on late lazy zombie uh, stealth zombie tropes and 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 generate gripping stories and they're not going to stay overstay their welcome. But I've noticed that there's been a little bit of reversal and and like uh, Walking Dead revert back to the mean. Is it just that Kang's frustrated that like, God damn, this is the last season of The Walking Dead. Who can I kill? 
Who can I kill? I can't kill Carol. I can't mm-hmm. kill Daryl. I can't kill Maggie. I can't kill Negan. Like, spin off Gabriel and Aaron. I double fucking dare you because what? We got Eugene and Rosita <laughs> yeah. are going to be the ones that we can plausibly put in the danger. I, Prison tax, I don't. Yumiko, maybe. I don't know. Uh, highly competent Boger? I Maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and Professor Rob. Where's Professor Rob, by the way? Uh, all yeah. filming uh, Unspeakable Beast three or whatever now he was at oceanside right we didn't get to see him no no one was there to give him a big returning hug like they did at hilltop with lydia exactly i i think this is a i think this is a real problem because if you had to ask if you had to rank me ask me to rank the remaining like people alive in the walking dead judith is number one like if she she got killed i'd be devastated but like Maggie and Negan and and Carol and especially and, and Daryl are right up there. Like you are now just drawing a bright white line around them and being like they cannot be harmed because they have to get to Manhattan and wherever the hell Daryl and, and Carol are going. Mm-hmm. I it must be it must be really frustrating for Angela Kang to work under these kind of constraints. Probably so. Yeah. I mean the the probably saving grace here is that I'm sure she knew about this stuff way before we did. So you're writing a final season knowing that stuff. Um, but yeah, it still ties your hands. It's very much ties your hands. Um, like I said, they got the, 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 the plausible deaths they can play with is Aaron, Gabe, Rosita, and Eugene. Yeah. And of those, maybe Gabriel, um, I've got like starting to get an attachment, starting to get an attachment, but the others, I don't, you know, I don't really care about. Yeah, it's kind of turning The Walking Dead into a prequel in a certain way, right? We always talk about prequels where like, oh, we know these characters can't die. So any jeopardy you put them in physically is not really exciting because you know they're going to make it out relatively unscathed. And yeah, this is starting to get a little bit of that prequelitis. Well, not only that, but like there was some like we we've been talking about these first two weeks like there is some drama about uh, because i didn't buy that negan was going to take off for good but like how are maggie how is maggie and negan going to bury the baseball bat between them you know like this is the guy who beat the brains out of this one's husband and a pretty brutal fashion but yet he is you know done a lot of growing and changing and uh you know Rick's overall strategy of mercy overcoming his wrath has proven to be the right you know that that's kind of interesting how do these characters work together well now not only are they going to die but there's no real like they're going to eventually come to some sort of uneasy alliance they have to because yeah. they're going to be in a fucking spin-off together right. it really takes the wind AMC's marketing and hype department just continually steals the thunder from their current project to build hype for a next project. I don't like I mean, I've been watching this for a decade, dude, a decade of them doing this. And I I don't get it. I don't get it. That's the thing. I it feels desperate to me. It feels like an attempt to create something that I'm not sure anybody wants, which is a Walking Dead universe like they're already losing people on their main show. So, mm-hmm. so they spin off three, four other shows and they think mm-hmm. that that won't further fragment the audience and reduce ratings across the board. I, I, I don't know. It seems like a strange strategy to me, but what do I know? I'm not a marketing exec. I'm not a producer. Poor Lauren Cohen has tried to escape the show once before <laughs> she got pulled right. back in and now she's probably optioned for five seasons of, yeah. you know, what, whatever it is. Um, I feel, Isle I feel bad. 
Although she is, she is getting. Uh, yeah, it'd be funny if his Isle Isle uh, Isle of Dead because it's you know that's like I sounds like I love the dead. Isle <laughs> okay. of Dead. Uh-huh. Um, but it's Isle of the Dead, so they can't even get the cool Isle of Dead thing going. Yeah, yeah Romero I, made uh, a, an Isle, Isle of the Dead type movie. Um, his not Land, not Diary. It was. It might have been Isle of the Dead. I can't remember. Is but... that the one Bud the zombie, the cowboy zombie, or the? No, I don't think so. It's it's a, no. a bunch of like Irish people on an island with with the dead. I don't know. It was weird, man. Um, some say all the Irish people are on an island. It's called Ireland. Some some say. Some they, would they say. Might say. Uh, <laughs> just put zombies in in Ireland, and you've got a show. You do. Um. Anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're doing with this stuff, but they're doing it. They're doing it regardless. I feel like this so is now, all job security for Scott Kimple because he knows once this shit, once this shit is over, I got nowhere to go. I've made one of the worst modern era shows, prestige shows. Right, I have that, run a twenty thousand strong show into the ground. Um, I've turned yeah, it into I, nothing. I've I've crumbled this empire from within. No one's gonna hire me for this <laughs> uh, beyond this. So I got to make these shows last. Yeah, well, it sucks. So if you had you've had death bets on Negan or Maggie, gonna have to pull them. It's it's gonna be a no contest. We're gonna have to you just, just kind of give your money back. Yeah. All right, I think we should get into the recap. What do you think? Let's do it. All right, but first, let's take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, we start off with real Stephanie. I think her name is Max. Tells Eugene her <laughs> side of the story in the weirdest way possible. There's, she's telling Eugene how they talked about everything and nothing. Uh, it there's this weird romantic, like poetic sort of storytelling thing they're doing here that only works if she's talking to the audience and not Eugene. That's what she's, she's doing. Definitely talking to Eugene. Because she uses his name as, as if she's like, and these are the things oh, that happened really? with us, Eugene. Oh, yeah, God. It's, it's very weird. I, I thought it was just clunky because she went from talking to the audience with an omniscient kind of point of view to then uh, continuing the conversation she was having with Eugene from the episode before. Maybe. But that's not that's not super that's not super not clunky either. It just felt weird to me. Uh, yeah, she tells him her side of the story. She found this radio and Mercer caught her talking to Eugene and shut the whole thing down. And then when Eugene showed up in uh, Commonwealth, she was sad that Eugene was hanging out with fake Stephanie and enjoying it. 
so she kept quiet and here's here's where things get dicey in this scene um so she tells him that the you know the the name was fake and he's had enough and he runs off um there's this weird twist of logic that happens somewhere in this scene where somehow this becomes Eugene's fault that he met up with fake Stephanie was unable to detect that fake Stephanie who is saying and doing pretty much all the right things as far as I remember uh, Mm -hmm. is not actually real Stephanie and that it's his fault for not determining that and calling bullshit and then finding the real Stephanie AKA Max he ends up apologizing for that which Dude, to me I mean, is the exact had... wrong thing that should happen here this is the wrong idea I agree in fact when he went to the, her door later in this episode she slams the door tries to slam the door in his face I'm like what the fuck because from his perspective and he's like tears in his eyes he's like you're the real Stephanie she's like no I'm Max and mm-hmm. he's like you know what fuck all this fuck these games fuck whatever I don't blame him. And yeah. they did play it as if he had, he was the asshole here. I don't think anyone was the asshole because it doesn't right. seem like anyone asked Max, like, is this cool? It just also resolved a lot of things that I didn't make sense in my mind. Like we talked about. So what's the deal? People just take turns working shifts of this ham radio, trying to contact people and then yeah, they yeah. catfish them and they use, they, they use the, the, the governor's chief of staff to do it, but then they switch her. So it, she did all this clandestinely. She yeah. this was all junk, just just like Eugene did. This is all junk ham radio stuff. She's Mercer's brother. She's high level in the government, but she's doing all this secret. And then Mercer finds out, and I think offers this up to Hornsby on a silver platter in exchange for like clemency. But and that kind of makes sense. But it also mm-hmm. makes me wonder: was this whole thing a setup from the beginning? Because even even Stephanie slash Max is like. This stuff was just lying outside and it would be against official Commonwealth policy to just lay it out. So it must be trash, but it wasn't trash. It's a fully functional ham radio. Mm -hmm. This shit was just laying around. Yeah. And the Commonwealth does have an official ham radio department. How did she avoid detection by those people? Well, Uh, I think that's what the fake name was about, right? Using the name Stephanie means they won't know who is actually transmitting. So... That made a certain amount of sense. Okay. Okay. Um, I would just think they'd be able to, they'd be able to tell like the signals coming in from within the walls. (laughs) They have another ham radio department. Yeah. Yeah, Uh exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I saw independence day. I know you can triangulate signals. Sure. Uh, Sure. But, Uh, but yeah, I don't, I didn't blame Eugene at all for going through everything he went through last episode. And then like, Oh, I'm the, cause like I said, we, we joked about last, like the funniest thing for all, uh, the funniest thing that happened would be for Hornsby just to start up the catfish again, which is a different Stephanie. And how is he not immediately just thinking all of this is bullshit? He is, right. He is, but they've, but they're, they, if they're, if that's their plan, he's ready to be fooled again by the end of this episode. Totally. Uh, the other thing like yeah about like Eugene twisting this on himself because he kind of twists himself up in this scene it's not like he does a bit Stephanie it's not like Max is really pushing the idea that he should be sorry for it but like Mm -hmm. she does bring up oh you didn't realize it wasn't me but it's like 
you know, the, the idea that like I should read your mind and figure out that something is wrong and exactly what I did wrong. And then I should apologize for it before you ever have to say anything. No fucking communicate. Like tell it's, yeah. it's your fault for seeing him with this other woman and not coming up and saying, actually, I'm the real Max. You we talked. Uh, but she didn't do that because this was an official plan. Like she was aware of it. Right. Like, I think she I, was aware. Well, the way she Mer- frames it, it, it sounded like she saw him happy with Stephanie and decided not to break up that, that playing relationship. That no which, Okay, I guess. Because she had, to cooper- she had to cooperate with them for that fake Stephanie to know everything that they talked about and all of Eugene's preferences. And, like, you didn't know it wasn't yeah. me. It's like, this is a ham radio connection. Like, it's right. entirely possible for you to sound different in real life than over a goddamn ham radio connection. Yeah. And yeah, I just I thought it was weird that somehow Eugene was the fuck up in all this, because in my mind, he was manipulated from the jump. And I don't blame Max because she's living in an authoritarian nightmare world and they probably didn't give her a chance to do this. And it's like, well, you guys do this or you and your brother are out. But damn, Eugene is certainly the most of the is is the most victim in all of this, it seems like. Oh, yeah. But yeah, he's apologizing. So Eugene, right, to like be so, just so pathetic and so like unself-assured uh yeah that he, that he would feel like this is all his fault by the end of this conversation so yeah, yeah. I, I get it i i didn't hate it but it, there is definitely a twist of logic there mm-hmm. um we find out also that like milton is not totally on board with her son because there's a quick scene where, where like max goes in and talks to her and she's like yeah take away sebastian's credit card yeah he's an asshole yeah which she's she's not happy with now that doesn't mean that she's going to you know back somebody else over dispute but but she's aware that that he's yeah she's aware that he's kind of a a shit a shit bird yeah maybe that's why he was on his uh, picnic date instead of some fancy commonwealth restaurant Mm. because i can't imagine that guy's a picnic kind of guy i don't know maybe he's trying to impress a girl fancy restaurants do that too that's true especially that's true. if you got a big old line of credit it seems like getting it seems like getting outside the walls is almost like a status thing because nobody else is allowed to do true, it you know true but if you can arrange the mercer escort to a picnic date and that's like the most the hottest nightclub in in the commonwealth <laughs> is outside the walls uh-huh yeah yeah nice all right we go to uh the caravan to alexandria where Pamela and Lance talk about how unnecessary of a burden Alexandria is. And then they arrive and they take the, the tour guided by Aaron uh, and D- Daryl to some degree. I had a question when I first watched this episode of like, what? Cause they, they make this, you know, they talk about this as in a different state. Uh, we mentioned, someone mentioned that there was evidence that the Commonwealth is based in Ohio Last episode, I was kind of dismissive. Um, it seems like that they are. They're in a different state. It's probably Ohio. We got some feedback about that. Um, there's this, you know, pretty smart talk about like you don't want to grow your empire outside your ability to protect it because that's how you lose an empire. Um, but I do wonder, like, what is it? What is in this for the Commonwealth? And I think the episode does a pretty good job of starting suggesting what those answers are. It's certainly what's in it for uh, post-apocalyptic Better Call Saul, Hornsby. He's got mm-hmm. he's trying to carve out his own little fiefdom fiefdom. Yeah. 
and that's what he wants but they they also like you can see how this is going to rub maggie the wrong way because milton is riding in her little armored limousine that looks like you know one of the carriages that like the queen of thorns and game of thrones would ride in it's all like got like a comfortable couch and it's very cozy and she's ultra protected there's no way zombies can get to her that's like very much haves versus haves nots um but yeah, I'm 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 quite I am wondering why why the Commonwealth is pushing so hard or, or like I understand why Hornsby is, but why isn't Milton Pamela like, hey man, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to carve out your own little thing here. You got your you got your drug farm. That's enough. This is like two states away. Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what's in it for the Commonwealth either, other than just more people with backgrounds and skills that they could use. Um, cause you know, Mercer's asking like what Daryl did before this and Daryl's like, doesn't matter. doesn't matter to us here. Like that, that's the thing. Commonwealth operates differently. And I think it was pretty effective in showing that the Commonwealth, you know, is looking for people who have skills from the old world that they can employ in their new world. Alexandria is just a community trying to get by and the, the skills you had might matter. Like if you want to bring them to the front, but also it doesn't matter if you had no skills or you were a prisoner or a violent person or whatever, you can be a part of our community as long as you're working together with everybody else. And I, I I definitely felt the the difference between the community's uh, philosophies. And I guess if you're trying to build an empire in North America, having self-sufficient outposts that like are not landlocked, you know, like, um, uh, like, like you are if you're living in the middle of Ohio. Yeah, like being able to build like a little like a highway corridor to where you can get to the ocean and get trade and you can start building bigger. I, I can underst- I guess I can understand the appeal. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a certain amount of sense. And it might be actually be why they want all three as well because mm-hmm. uh, that would help. Uh, Daryl still has his angel wings. I like that. He wasn't dressed up in the, the trooper uniform here, but it turns out that's kind of just for show. That's PR him baby. playing his role. Um, do you think he'll be back before? Cause we've seen him come back, right? And he comes back in full trooper armor. Do you think he'll be back before then? Or is this kind of the last time he comes back as Nah, they Dale? have to. There, there has to be one more, a couple more attempts to bring. Because it doesn't seem like uh, Hornsby's given up. Uh, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot more pressure to bring people into the fold. And Daryl's the face for that. And Aaron's on mm-hmm. his side. Because I, I like that like, Aaron's trying to like polish this turd as gleaming as it can be. Like, yo, move that plant to hide the broken windows. Make sure that this gaping hole, like there, he's, it's like uh, a kid that forgot to clean up his room and he hears his parents car in the driveway and he's just sweeping stuff under the bed, throwing stuff in the closet. Just like, Hey, we're, we're, we're back. We're back in business, baby. You know? Right. Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Next up is Daryl and Pamela talking about how they both knew Deanna. Um, and we get a reg sighting, a cold, cold rolled reg. Yeah, boy, D- reg. If you could only see the state of your cold rolled steel oh, walls, man, there'd be big fat tears. Boy, <laughs> they massacred my boy. Right. I, I was like, I don't know how you managed to knock down steel walls with the uh, with with fire, but okay. You didn't reinforce uh, them from the inside, did you? I I did I did like yeah I did I did like seeing the 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 ancient history going all the way back to season what six five and six 
Um, yeah, and, and we find and, out that you know, Deanna that, and Pamela knew each other. Um, which made perfect sense because Deanna was yeah. a politician. Her dad is a politician. They're in. They're running around the Washington corridors of power. It didn't seem like uh, Pamela give this shit about politics until the apocalypse but she was involved in like the philanthropy mm. wing maybe of her dad's stuff so okay. I, that, that made a lot of sense that they that, that they knew each other yeah um and she's asking you know about alexandria and the walls and it fell more than once it, dude lady you have no idea if you only knew right <laughs> it's crazy uh, all right zeke is surprised to find out during a routine checkup that he's actually at the top of the surgery list now Jerry's ecstatic, but Zeke is just confused and then a little dismayed by hearing that. Yeah, Jerry. I love Jerry. He's just like over the moon and happy and it's adorable. And he's uh, I, I do like this. The lucky ones, because I think that's one piece that a lot of people miss about our current society is that there's a there is some people that think that like you know if you if you work hard and you do the right things then you will be all right and it what i've come to appreciate anyway is how much doodah dumb fuck luck is involved in being successful you know like you take a hundred people all with the exact same start in life and then you give a few of them uh crippling emotional and physical disabilities you give a couple of them shitty parents you put some of them in places where the school districts are underfunded uh where there isn't you know enough access to the water doesn't have lead in it and then suddenly you see those people's success drop and they didn't do a damn thing to deserve it and i like that this episode's all about meditating on you know a guy like zeke who used to be on the pamela level and now is just a just a dude and at the mercy of this kind of like lottery system. And he's uh, self-aware enough to know that like, well, I didn't deserve this. I mean, nobody deserves anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and like his distress of like, I have been in the hospital. I know there's people just as bad as me. And what did they do? What did I do to get this and that they didn't do? And in his answer, nothing. Carol did all your dirty work. But yeah. I, 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 like I said, this is the kind of stuff that's a little bit more subtle um, that mm-hmm. I kind of wish they had led in with, you know, like I, I think a better, sh- I think a better version of the show would have showed us like all the good things and everyone's kind of on board the Commonwealth. And then you start to see the cracks, whereas they kind of hit us up front with the cracks and the paranoia and the unfairness right sure. away. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to, I think the end of season 10, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I like his, you know, I, I do like his philosophy on things. He's kind of not only like, is he not done, you know, anything that would warrant him going up on the list, but like he seems like he's been in both places and that, that would change a lot of people. I think they, they might be sort of angry that they don't have the same station they used to have. You know, he's not mm-hmm. King Ezekiel anymore and he can't get up on that list. And that, I think wor- a worse person would kind of take that lesson to heart. Like, yeah, shit, I, I am better this. than these other people, right? I've done yep. things. Uh, get me up on that list. He seems to have the opposite reaction. It just shows that he has a lot of compassion. Um, yeah, and I think you see that throughout the the run of his character too. Yeah, even Carol was that way. Like, you're not you you, you kind right. of de- yeah you're not a lesser man. You deserve to have this access. Um, which fair enough, everyone deserves to have you know, the best medical treatment they can get. But 
like I said, uh, and we know that you know else. he also came from a, a pretty humble blue collar background. You know, he's a zoo, you know, just just helping around. What was he even a zookeeper, or was he just kind of like uh, working maintenance at the zoo? Uh, either way, it's not remember. exactly a C-suite executive position where you're lording power over people, right? Um, and that was like literally a role that he played because he saw a need for it and. You know, so it's also been interesting the last. I think they've done a good job with Gary Payton, where he's like slowly kind of relax that King Ezekiel stuff. Like I can't uh-huh. remember the last time he did a Yay, verily, just you know, like he's he's just a dude now, and yeah. there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of guilt involved in, in getting this preferential treatment. Yep, uh, it does raise the question though. What else did Carol do? Because I thought when she got the wine, Lance said, "Well, that's a start." And then we just kind of skip to this where he's at the top of the list. Is there something else I missed that she did? No, I wonder if there's going to be that's the other shoe. Like, what did she have to do for this? Or is she on? Because because he also like when uh, he angrily confronts him later, she's like, you know, damn it. I just got out of debt, so I didn't have to owe anybody. It might be more that Carol's just on the hook. Okay. Uh, Or maybe she did some maybe she did some crazy shit uh, to to. well, she helped him. She helped him quell the drug problem. Was that the other? Right, right. I don't know that she that, made that yeah. arrangement, or she found out that info that helped him. It could be. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, that she's her his uh, little little secret agent. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then we get to the worst scene in the entire episode. Um, <sighs> Pamela Milton sitting at, at the the beach of Oceanside, dips her feet into oh. the water. Ugh. <laughs> vomit kills and, all the fish <laughs> kills all the fish with just the, the sight of it I, I feel like Quentin Tarantino it's like, it's like, is now it's at like, home uh, with his 3D printer going I have all the information I need now I've seen the bottoms no, I've seen the tops no. I'm ready to go Pam no it's like uh, the prince of Egypt and Moses puts his staff into the the, the fucking Nile and it just turns it all to blood and yeah <laughs> she puts she dips the- her she, so she puts her perfectly yeah. manicured toes and just yeah just it's just just a pl- roiling plague see now um, come on above and below I don't need to see three different angles of these feet come on mm-mm, anyway mm-mm. the leader of Oceanside is not willing to partner with Commonwealth until they get Hilltop or, or Maggie on board specifically unfortunately she's already refused so it sets up a dilemma who, also the, the leader of Oceanside is literally who this is just some like did they forget the the Boston Rob or not not Boston Rob? I'm sorry, the professor. The professor uh-huh. lives here. He's got a whole girlfriend. There was like that young leader that they used to have that stepped. I mean, I it's it's wild that this was just like some some person, just just some yeah. some some girl that they that they pushed into service. And also, I do not see how these communities were literally starving when you have an oceanside compound. Right. That has boats and shit. Yeah. Like you're not even you're not just offshore fishing. You can go. You're, you're not like onshore fishing. You can go offshore. I like. Th- yeah. Did they run out of fish? What what happened? No. I mean, Oceanside has clearly just been forgotten by the yeah. writers. And it's not yeah. like. And it's not. Yeah, they didn't just forget and then write that plot and go. Oops. They also, when they came back, were just like, and we're not gonna waste time with Luke. And we know he's. Maybe they know he's here. I hope they know he's here, but like, I don't know. They just don't care to service the Oceanside stuff at all. 
like they, they've essentially punted it you know indefinitely too because now the real we thought they were wiped the hilltop, out right we thought there was just but like they're they don't look like they're in distress at all they no. completely avoided any kind of uh fallout from the whisperer war and they just been mm-hmm. like hey we got a mutual protection pact there's nothing about mutual feeding pack you get you, you, <laughs> right. you, you, we, we want something for our fish you got no blacksmith anymore you can't trade metals like nah fuck yeah so sure. I it's, it's it's weird it's weird I don't know but but now now that uh, Pamela's uh, dipped her stinky toes in the water they're going to be hard up yeah <laughs> that's that's a fifty mile kill zone now there's nothing <laughs> it's like the dead fucking sea <laughs> all right <laughs> let's move on uh, get out of that horrible scene Lance is pissed at Aaron for not giving a warning about Oceanside. And he says that if they can't get every community on board, none of them will be partnered with the Commonwealth. And there's a walker attack on the road, which just so happens to involve Maggie and her goons. And then Pamela introduces herself. Why is Maggie Maggie has goons now. Yeah, she's got goons. She's bringing a wagon to beg for fish. Uh, The the Grim Reaper, I, I don't know what his fucking name is anymore. He's had six names. Casey Jones, are you talking about? Casey Jones, yeah, he's out there. Slightly competent bow girl. Are they out there foraging? Is that what's happening? Why are they on I, this I just road? assume they, they, they're bringing an empty wagon hoping to get fish from Oceanside. And Oceanside's like, we told you, 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 you better come better come with some shitty shitty, shitty copies of metal works or nothing. Like, we're fresh out of blacksmith. We even lost our apprentice. Where, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. I like how they definitely made these people. These people are filthy. They're dirty. Yeah. Their clothes are ripped. They're covered in dirt, except for Lauren Cohen, who still somehow is able to look, uh, you know, no makeup apocalypse pretty. Sure. Uh, but everybody's just like run down and haggard. They're like been they've been hard put upon it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Makes sense when you see the state of Hilltop here in a bit. I also like how Aaron's not like inclined to take any shit from, you know, Hornsby until Hornsby's like, you don't understand if we don't bring, this is a package deal. Like we got to get everything or we're going to pull out of Alexander and let you guys collapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, Hilltop has like uh, some real problems there and yeah. Alexandria, you know, is seeing, has already seen the benefits of working with the Commonwealth. So I feel like mm-hmm. they understand the stakes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pretty high, but I, I don't know. I mean, like, they do a pretty good job coming up of telling us like what the stakes really are um, because, you know, they've yeah. rebuilt part of Alexandria and I feel like they're back on their feet basically now um, and there, they can yeah. do without the rest of the help from the Commonwealth. But they'll introduce something here in a bit that I think is actually they introduce it in the absolute shittiest way possible. It's a terrible mm. scene, but okay. it introduces an interesting concept. So we'll All get right. there. Anyway, Daryl and Aaron tell Maggie that Commonwealth isn't so bad, and they fixed up Alexandria. And then Lance invites them hunting. Maggie pairs off with Pamela, who has an honest conversation about why she's considering Hilltop as a partner. Uh, And it's because she wants to provide stability for the future of uh, humanity and her kids specifically. Which probably hits home with a little Herschel out there. Yeah. I thought like both these scenes. I thought like Aaron and Daryl playing good cop, better cop against Maggie trying to wear her down. And with yeah. honest, like it wasn't bullshit. It's like, hey, you know, uh, 
Alexandria or um, the Commonwealth is doing this for us. Commonwealth's doing that for us. Like, how can you trust them? Well, they've kept their word for this. And like, what are they? What is there to gain? Mm-hmm. But that's what bothers Maggie because she's like, what is there to gain? Mm-hmm. Because who does this? But on the other hand, I, I, I was waiting for them to say something like, the last time I went off on some damn fool idealistic crusade from some older woman, it led to pillaging and death. Mm-hmm. And because it's it's like Georgie and Deanna both didn't want anything. They just wanted to have more people in their community and they wanted to spread civilization further. It's kind of weird that Maggie's kind of like super suspicious of Pamela since this is literally the third woman like this that they've met. Yeah, I really expected them to make a little bit more like, you know, like we get more information about what went down with Georgie to kind of like show that Maggie is. But like she's going down being like, hey, I'm trying to set up the same thing that the Deanna and Georgie were trying to set up. So I they kind of lost me with that. Yeah, maybe it's just they feel like, OK, we've dealt with all the threats in the vicinity. You know, yeah. now we can actually get down to the business of creating our own thing here and having it be sustainable. But I, and I, I think that uh, there's a lot like her trying to build common cause with Maggie. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we're both leaders. We both know it's what it's stuff. like to worry about people. We both. But and and there's like, you know, like it's uh, one society is much stronger than 15 million city states fighting against each other. Mm-hmm. But the one thing she said that made the hair stand up a little bit on the back of my neck was there is a natural order of things that needs to be returned yeah, I don't think she's thinking living over the dead. I think she right. means like a certain type of person should be running and a certain other type of person should be in like there's 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 this this class stuff that they're bringing into that that uh-huh. that that I think Maggie's picking up on that. That's probably going to be the friction here. Totally. And it's the stuff I find more compelling, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to reestablish the society you had before or do you want to go with something that's a little more uh, agrarian? That's a little more equal um has more equality built in because yeah i mean that's the kind of societies they've been setting up in alexandria you know everybody pitches in everybody's treated the same um they they flirted with this uh idea back when they started writing their constitution right or their fucking bill of bill of rights did they forget about this because now they're talking about a mutual protection pact i'm like no fucking bullshit you had a goddamn interstate compact like it was more than just a non-aggression pact or whatever right which which inherently i feel like pushed them more toward the commonwealth style of governance right where you have a council who is is taken more seriously in their opinions and they actually do make the decisions for everybody so yeah and and you know maggie was kind of last on board for that whole thing too right true um you know michonne wrote up that thing and then passed it to them and they were like, I don't know. Right. Um, so she already, you can see she already had these tendencies of like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be under the thumb of a ruler. Um, yeah. Hilltop was a lot, always a little bit more isolationist because uh, they're probably the most self-sufficient of the communities. They were. Um, yeah. They had a lot of food stuff yeah. down that the others didn't. Right. Um, right. But yeah. So, so, so they did flirt with that before and maybe Maggie has like taken some of that stuff to heart. Like that just didn't work out for them. Um, yeah, because there's a couple times where a Hornsby is going to say, this is what what we've got in Commonwealth is what you wanted to build. Right. And she's like, yeah, and she's not fully on board. So you, you might be right that she's like, I you know what? I kind of like the city state. I kind of yeah. like having my 200 people 
that I know their first and last names. and I know whether they're reliable or not. I know whether Absolutely. their reputation means something. You can't like slack. Everyone's got to pull their way. They, there is something to that. But then there's also there I mean, that's that's been like the last 10,000 years of human history is trading that ultimate freedom of hunting, gathering for the fact that your kids are going to survive a, a, a drought and a famine because you've got a whole bunch of people that have pooled their resources together so yeah it's that freedom safety um you continuum that you're always flirting with for sure uh and that was the stuff i found more compelling about this episode all right before we move into the next scene let's take a quick break we're getting geared up for the sixth annual summer badass fest And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, we're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was, and those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved the venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, next scene, uh, Carol visits Zeke to find out how his checkup went, and he realizes that Carol did something to bump him up in the line. And he's pissed because he's taken someone else's spot, and he feels bad about it. And it's another good scene because like, you yeah. can see Zeke is uh, pondering, and it's bothering him, and he he's but he's still happy, but then he realizes Carol's pulled some strings, and... You know, she's making the she makes a pretty good two prong argument of number one, why should you die because a system's broken? If you can, you know, like there's no it's nothing inherently noble to die in a broken system if you can, you know, pull a string and get. And the other is like, don't you think Milton would do the exact same thing to save her own shitty son or herself? You know, sure. like is she going to wait at the bottom of the list, languish? Hell no. So, but then he's got the like, well, why am I better than anybody else in the hospital dying right. on life support? Why should someone else die so that I can live? Um, yeah. 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 No, he, g- good arguments on both sides. And that's some of the Need more a better system stuff. I would, ar- I would argue, but uh-huh. uh, need more doctors. Maybe we need a, yeah. 
Said or or somebody. Uh, is that his name? I can't even freaking remember. That does does that does that paint um, Yumiko's brother in a different light? That there Kinda. is a shortage of doctors, people dying on the vine, and he's been baking cupcakes for a decade. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I think so. Because because you know I just don't like the pressure. Mm-hmm. Ah, the grind is saving. I just ah. Mm. Yeah. Didn't enjoy the work. Yeah, you, 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 you know, I don't mind being a doctor, but the whole dinner party circuit. Oh, it's such a drag. Like, dude, mm. you're seeing. You, have you ever been to the hospital, Yumiko's brother? Have you have you heard the dying screams of people on life? No. So I it does make him seem like a little bit more of an asshole than than we originally thought. Totally. Um, so here, here's another scene with Maggie and Pamela arguing about uh, the different ways of governing and then taking turns killing walkers, which I guess builds some respect between the two, or at least Maggie seems to respect her skills. Does she? Because I, I I was just trying to decide what they're trying to tell me here, because yeah. number one, Maggie uses the knife, which is silent. Yeah. Georgie used the shotgun, which is super loud, probably going to bring even more. Sorry, not Georgie. Pamela <laughs> uses the shotgun, which is probably going to draw, you know, more uh-huh. walkers, blah, blah, blah. Um, one thing I, I, it's interesting to see Pamela try to defend why she has so much because Maggie and, and like, you know, like all the leaders we've seen so far, it's not like uh, Rick and Michonne had a bigger house. A nicer clothes. Maggie lived in uh, the the governor's mansion, but but that's like where the leadership lived. But she it's not like, like she lived, lived better. She didn't have better food. She didn't have better mm-hmm. clothes. Um, it is hard in this apocalypse. Like, how does Pamela like the, everything she says just rings hollow? Like, oh, it's bullshit. Um, yeah, like, well, I've got a lot more responsibility. But this is every uh, you know, like, oh, well, you got to have the. It, it's not for me. It's the respect of the office. That's why I have to live in a mansion. That's why I need a motorcade. That's why I need to you have, have to give some people five hundred dollar haircuts. To. And, Get out of here! Like they can yeah, aspire to being safer and being healthier and happier and having more as a community. They don't need to aspire to being Pamela Milton. But you, that's like literally like an aristocratic thought yeah that yeah, it's a joke. i have to lead lead by ex- and like i have to be better so people will be good you know right. and i and and yeah it's 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 horseshit and and i i wish that i, I don't know i wish they had they, they had something better for her to say than essentially well i'm just you know i deserve it because blah 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 um sure or yeah, a better a better way to yeah, like a like a better speech that they wrote for her, so it seems like because because yeah, anyone watching those with brains like, well, Maggie's right. That's just a better way to go. Like you can have yeah. the Commonwealth without the extreme and bad. Like Pamela Milton doesn't need to go around. Like maybe she, you got to have continuity of government, so she has to be more protected. But like, does she need the silk pillows and mm. the fancy tents and? that's the thing like yeah she's more important because she is their leader and so she needs to be protected and we understand that but like does she need to be pampered does she need to have like the fucking pith helmet that's what kills me <laughs> like right. like this that doesn't yeah say fucking it says this so is, much in in one hat it's like oh you want so you want to look like a colonizer okay i get it exactly yeah. yeah 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 this is this is raj world this is all uh-huh. this is all Br- british india east indian tea company bullshit and like yeah i i don't know like when i saw her in that pith helmet i'm like good god give her a fucking mustache <laughs> so she can twirl and let's be done with it yeah 
No, everything she says in this scene rings hollow to me, and I and, and disingenuous too. It's like, yeah, I, I feel like you know these arguments are bullshit, but you're saying yeah. them anyway because that's your response to this criticism. Anyway, uh, let's go over to Eugene, who's sulking by the lake, and then Rosita and Coco come to visit him, and Rosita is satisfied being a cop and being safe for now, at least. She's still holding out hope for going back to Alexandria, though. And Eugene tells Rosita about Stephanie breaking up with him. Which is not still the truth. It's, it's That's what I was thinking. Like, it's closer to the truth. She wasn't who I thought she was. Yeah. That, that, that kind of nutshells everything. But boy, the journey to get there. Yeah. You got a story, man. Tell it. <laughs> I also like that Eugene is sitting there and, and like people are painting the sad man <laughs> there's this painting class and he's He'll be immortalized his sadness yeah. his betrayal this is eugene's blue period that's his been gullibility. immortalized in an right. acrylic paint uh with the bob ross method uh, it's it's yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> and also like I, pamela milton's office right or lance's office maybe yeah yeah and you can also see there's this like a little bit of a, a trap forming where rosita and i think eugene and probably everybody thinks you know what this is fine for now. And if we yep. don't like it, we can always go back to Alexandria when it gets fixed up. I don't know that there's going to be that much freedom of movement. It's not like the Commonwealth is going to be like, oh, yeah, you can go back to Alexandria and do whatever you want. They if Alexandria is brought. That, but I know, but Alexandria is going to be Commonwealth 2.0. It's not if you go back there, you're it's going to be with a bunch of uh, white armored goons that are not going to be letting you go outside the walls because that's harder I, I think there's this I they they think that like no oh maybe this isn't our cup of tea but we can always go back and have our old cup of tea I think that old cup of tea is gone and they don't realize it yet and yeah. that's what's going to be interesting is and I think that's where maybe you get Daryl and Maggie having friction because there is a little bit of an okey doke that's being played here and, and I like some of the stuff they're doing with the different reactions different people are having to this right you've got the seasoned vets who some of them are ready to be done with it. You know, they're tired of fighting this fight. And if they can relax and, you know, have a a somewhat safer and more normal life in Commonwealth, they're willing to go for that. Maggie, who's still very resistant to it, obviously. And then the kids are probably the most interesting thing, right? Because, like, there's a scene where Aaron and Lance, I think, are walking and talking. And Lance says something about the kids. Um, You know, it must be so weird or so hard to grow up in this world. And Daryl, no, it's Daryl. He's like, yeah, those are a different type of kids. They grew up on the road, you know. That's a road kid. Yeah. Road kid's different. (laughs) It's a road kid. He's different. But then you go and you see Judith getting the record, right? And and RJ Mm -hmm. and them enjoying like the relative safety and and being with other kids and things like that. It's. I think they're setting up a really interesting, like you said, trap where it might be a soft trap. It might not even be like, hey, you guys can't go out and and just recolonize Alexandria and be on your own. But a lot of the people who some of the the people who want to do that might be trapped by the people they love. Like, Mm. does does Aaron go back to Alexandria if Gracie really loves it in the Commonwealth, right? Does they got Barbies here, you know, right? Will will you know, Herschel, little Herschel get a taste of it. And then Maggie won't, you know, be so sure about it. I I think that is some of the more nuanced work they're doing here. And it's, it's paying off. Well, 
Speaking of nuance work, there's something there they're doing the Eugene that I'm not even sure people are picking up because I thought because like we, we talked about like why does Eugene feel so guilty? Mm-hmm. And I think it's because this scene is the linchpin that he's seeing the lies that were told to him to lure him into this situation as similar to the lies that he told in the beginning to keep himself safe. Yes. And he's like, it, it, it's really settling in that like, oh, what a shitty position that I got like Abraham and Rosita and all these other people to protect me and keep me safe. And, and it was all under false pretenses and because I was scared and I didn't know. So like, I think he is is feeling like a real shit. Like, yeah, he fell for that. But also what how can he get mad at Max or any of these people for doing to keep the, the doing things to keep themselves safe that that he did. Uh, and that's this as a societal level. His is a purely personally selfish safety yeah. thing. So I think that's why he is all apologetic at the it end. Makes a lot of sense. It doesn't make it doesn't make that. sense to why Max yeah, is right. like you owe me this fucking apology. But it does. I I, I think this scene is key to understanding Eugene's uh, point of view. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a good observation. All right, let's move over to Commonwealth uh, helping rebuild Hilltop. Daryl and Lydia chat for a bit, and she feels like it's pointless to fix Hilltop. Uh, Lance hands out some supplies, including food. Daryl and Mercer talk about their communities, and Daryl seems to be coming around on the idea of being there uh, in the Commonwealth. Mercer says, "Yeah, well, don't get too used to it. It's not perfect. They're both just playing our, our roles. Um, it points out, yeah, that they didn't have him dressed in the trooper armor, all that stuff. I thought this was a weird scene because it seemed designed to get uh, the, the 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 put the trap more, you know, to get the leash more on Daryl's neck. But then like the main guy, Mercer, maybe yeah. because maybe that's because they're setting up Mercer to play both sides. But he's like, well, he's been you know, after a like, hey, this is that's Tyler. true. But yeah. the, but like halfway this thing, he's like, yeah, you know, you're coming around on the Commonwealth. Yeah, doing that. But don't <laughs> but but don't don't, don't relax because yeah. Commonwealth will fuck you. Yeah. Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't uh, whose no, side are you this, on but I guess these, he is kind of opposite trajectories right between Daryl and Mercer yeah, I think that's this is true. interesting one of Daryl's going to be the new Mercer the right hand man he that, better get some Mer- fancier armor because the armor yeah. I saw him in is not setting him apart he's blue armor that matches angel wings yeah maybe you just paint the angel wings on the back of the armor there you go or wear the vest <laughs> over it That'd be the best look. It's also fun seeing little little Herschel playing around with Mercer's helmet. It shows that Mercer's not a complete asshole, which we kind of yeah. are understanding anyway. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I will say I don't like this conversation between Daryl and Lydia. It, it's okay, but there's a really bad like line in here that is very writerly. You like you can see yeah the writers going at it. Um, because they're talking about something and then there is a line from Lydia where she says, how do you know when? And, and it's outside of any context because it's also a topic switch, a topic change yeah. in the scene. And of course, the next line has to be when what? And no human talks like this, right? When I when I am talking to you, I realize that I'm about to change topics and I give you context for the question that I'm about to ask you. If I were to say to you, let me ask you something. What about that? How do you <laughs> respond to that? It's that what, right? Like this feels like just a 
a scene I think that it's, is constructed to like have a back and forth as opposed to like mm-hmm. a natural conversation. But wasn't it in context of like the defend the walking dead, which is dangerous at terms. It wasn't a context of like, like, like things can usually be fixed, but sometimes they can't. How do you know? How do you know which situation is which and when to give up on the fixing? Maybe I, I think is what the, I understood in the first half of this conversation because I don't remember what the context was. Um, but in my yeah, mind, because they're a like, because so she's like, it's been bad. a lot of struggle and it's been this and things have been busted. And Daryl's like, yeah, you know, well, you'll get it fixed. And she's like, and and most things will be fixed. And I think the question is kind of like, well, what things can't and how do you know? Hmm. But um, OK, I could be wrong. I don't know, that. Maybe I'm just maybe after 11 seasons, I'm just a, a walking dead whisperer here. Who knows? Give me my mask. I'm a whisperer. Uh, Zeke goes in for surgery. That's it. It's the whole scene. Fuck pineapple. Yeah, fuck you and your pizza. fuck you and your shitty pizza opinion, Zeke. Give it no. more pineapple on the pizza for me. I'll listen to oh. uh, I'll listen to an hour long speech on D- Zeke's pineapple on pizza opinions because I agree oh, sa- savory and sweet. How can fuck, anyone no, go no. with that combination? It's an oh inherently savory food. I don't want sweet on my my savory pizza. No, thank you. Well, wait till you see the people salt and watermelon. Ugh. Those people. <laughs> Actually, I do like and that. Then, then the but doctor comes in and is like, you know, f- uh, fuck your pizza, fuck your pineapple. You got nothing but jello because we're, we're taking out the tumor through your butthole or something. I, like, why <laughs> would this keep him from eating pizza? Pe- like, why wouldn't he be able, as soon as he recovers from the anesthetic, why can't he just start eating pizza? His neck. They're going to they're gonna go at his neck. I don't know. It's not in his throat. It's like, it might be. you know, you know. Ah, maybe maybe it's like getting like a giant tonsil out i don't know yeah i I honestly don't know but i assume the neck region surgery means you probably don't want to eat uh you know a big old steak right after it Mm. he's been button he's been he's been baking muffins too long he's he doesn't know how everything's connected (laughs) sure he's forgotten any anything you knew about human anatomy yeah, it's just, he just cuts people open and expects to see frosting. He just doesn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, Lance chats with Maggie about Lucky Charms. Not not those Lucky Charms. like the mm. Not the cereal. Lance paints a picture of the life that Maggie and her son could have at the Commonwealth, but then they're uh, interrupted by the obligatory Walker attack. Oh, my God. The Walker attack. Dude. First of all, it's obligatory, right? It comes out of nowhere. It does nothing to advance mm-hmm. the the plot. Although they use it, they they actually do use it to advance a little bit of the storytelling. Do they? Because I because think I think you've fallen down a trap. What, what do you think happened in this scene? So I think that Maggie sees how effectively they dealt. <laughs> okay, I can't I can't talk about this scene without talking about how stupid it is too. Because it, do I need to set it up for people who didn't see it? There's there's a, a scene where they're kind of in the woods and they're uh-huh. sitting talking and then walkers come up and get entangled in some string alarm trap thing that they've got okay, going yeah, with yeah, the yeah. cans. The hill, hilltop alarm, yeah. Uh-huh. And, the, and you've got all of the troopers on one side of this uh, alarm. And you've got Maggie and I think maybe Daryl and Mercer and Lance perhaps mm-hmm. all standing mm-hmm. on the other side of the alarm and Mercer tells his guys shouts at him fire fire you fucks and they shoot straight 
at okay. Mercer and right. Maggie and everybody. They are putting them immediately in this crossfire. And I'm like, that is the most insanely dangerous thing I've seen anybody it do really on the show is. since lowering Glenn into a, a well in a bucket with a walker in it. It really is. It really is. It's like ordering an artillery strike on yourself <laughs> when they are completely <laughs> handling it. This totally is like... Handled. A medium, like 20 zombies, and they got like eight people, and there's like 20 troopers that all have bayonets affixed, and it's so sudden, too, because it feels like uh, like this climax is like, yo, everybody, if he just screams, fire, and then you hear these gunshots go out, and you see the, ex- the firing line, uh-huh. and the heroes are in the middle, and the zombies are, I'm like... Yeah, this is this is insane. And it, it, Danger it would be one thing if what? like there were a bunch of Tylers on the other side of that in trooper armor shooting because they're idiots or a bunch of Sebastians not knowing what the hell they're right. doing. But Mercer orders it is the yeah. thing. Fire yeah. straight at me, you idiots. Uh, and and so they do that, which is incredibly stupid. But then I think Maggie sees this and goes, "If I don't play along with their plan here, this is what I'm up against." So. I see it as something stupid they did. Maggie sees it as something like incredibly effective um, dealing with these walkers and that's, incredibly that's scary. What competent, that's what competent bow girl says too. Like imagine if we could just keep, imagine if we could just keep working on a hilltop and we had people that could deal with the alarms because it's like, you know, like it's a pretty annoying. Like you, you start working uh-huh. and then you got to stop and do defense and you start it's yeah. The, but Maggie's seeing and the, think, what if we had to deal with them? I think you're right. There is that like this could easily be and we don't even have guns anymore. Right. We got like we're back to fucking King Arthur days uh, and we're fresh out of blacksmiths to make. Yeah. Mildly competent bow girl is the best weapon we have. Yeah, exactly. We're we're that the, the fucking Stone Age now. So um, and also the Hornsby conversation I thought was good because he's making a point like this is what you guys were trying to build. Right. And wouldn't it be nice if little Herschel had a doctor he could go to, perhaps a university, like, you know, return of culture? Like, it's it's seductive. Yeah. And probably, honestly, the long term thing that should be done. Like, I, yeah, this this uh, hunter gatherer agrarian stuff is only going to take you so far. Yeah. But then Lance tips his hand a little too far and you see what cards he's actually got. Um, And he's talking to Maggie about, like, think about 50,000 community members working toward your vision of the future. And, and but the thing is, is like that when I what I was thinking when I saw that scene is like, how likely is that you'd have 50,000 Commonwealth people united behind your vision? It's more likely that your 50 hilltop people would become part of that 50,000 that's being united to someone else's vision. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to call the shots. You're not yeah. going to wag the dog. I wouldn't think so. All right, Maggie's friends think it would be a relief to continue getting help from the Commonwealth. Then Daryl's marched off with the rest of the troopers. And Maggie tells Pamela the Hilltop is not interested in their offer because it just costs too much. Yeah, and they did another thing that I didn't understand where Mercer tells his men to fall in line and made it clear that that's you too, Daryl. Mm-hmm. And like Maggie looks at that like she's not too sure. Am I, but like, why? Daryl's an ass kicker. Why wouldn't he serve in the armed forces of this co- commonwealth? Like, I didn't understand. At first, I didn't understand why, if the whole point was to have Daryl in his civilian clothes, it's like, hey, look at the friendly commonwealth. Why do you jerk his chain right at the end of the demonstration when when the big person has to give them the blessing? I yeah, I didn't, I did I didn't understand silly on on the commonwealth's part because yeah, they had right. they had made uh, some kind of point here, but then yeah. Daryl falling in line, especially at the end of the line, being the last mm-hmm. one here. Yeah. I yeah. think is 
visually symbolic um feels less like co-equals and more like lackey brought the heel absolutely and just makes Especially, what Lance said about her vision being, you know, 50,000 people working on it. Ridiculous, it, right? Especially when Mercer says, don't forget, they're always watching. What, did, why did you yank Daryl's chain, man? Yeah. Because I see Maggie watching and she don't like it. Mm-hmm. All right. Eugene brings Max some ice cream and an apology. Max wonders how the fuck Eugene couldn't tell Stephanie wasn't her. Eugene says, I'm just a big, stupid sucker. Uh, I was bruised and confused and rude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then he explains what his novel is about. Boy. I like that his name, the the name is Steph Portman because he's Eugene Porter and she's Stephanie. And so he was like blending like, you know, Steph Portman and uh, somehow has a sepulcher and it involves... Carpathian nuclear mountains. disaster being uh, averted, which like, oh, God, that's the that's the the, the season nine plot line was promised. You're supposed to build a Manhattan device, Eugene. Right. Uh, this this is the writing room retroactively fucking with me. I feel like I feel like it's got to be. It's got to be. They yeah. listen to our show. Why are they listening to our show? If that's the case, because uh, they're 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 gluttons for punishment. I guess. So. But uh, they're also it's an evil um, twin. Uh, yeah, I thought this made a lot of sense in in light of the scene of him by the pond feeling sorry for himself, feeling about the mistakes he made. You know, the fact mm-hmm. that like he's never sure if he's the connection's real, if the person's being polite, and he expects that when he shows up, they're going to be like, "Oh God, this 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 whole leather ponytail thing and and the jean shorts, it's a lot, man." Uh, like, and then he's kind of on the spectrum too. So he's got all that working. So I felt like it was, it felt, yeah, like a guy, I think what did make sense is Max holding the grudge, uh, made sense for Eugene sure. to uh, over apologize, but like the Matt and I, I don't know, maybe I, I guess I can see that being hard. Um, but also like Max knew about the decoy Stephanie. That's what I keep coming yeah. back to. So I feel like she's got some stuff to apologize for, too. Like, I'm a, I'm sorry that I let the, you know, uh, my, my concern for my community treat you in a cruel manner or that I was too afraid to say the truth or blah, blah. But like, it's more like, well, I'm glad you apologize. And now we can move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Something something off. With you. Um, all right. Daryl says goodbye to Maggie. And then several of her people leave for the Commonwealth because they're tired of the hard life including competent bow girl. I feel like that's the last person mm-hmm. holding Hilltop together. I mean, we've lost everybody else. Lydia's there. That's it. Yeah. It's Lydia and Maggie and little Herschel. Who's had three lines. Like all Also dead. Lydia's underserved. Like, I don't think they know what to do with Lydia anymore. They shoehorned yeah. her in to talk to, but like they've completely forgotten about her ever since, uh, uh, they, they launched a mission to quell the Reapers. Yeah. I and for know. the first time, Maggie looks really, Maggie looks really un, uh, unsure of what she should be doing of and of her decision. Yeah. She's totally. dismayed that she's losing competent bow girl and a bunch of other Hilltopians. Yeah. I, I like that. They didn't just make this straightforward. You know, Maggie is like totally defiant and she never has any second thoughts. I think it's good that a lot of people are, are not betray, betraying her. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not betraying her, but like just uh, making it clear that 
you know they they respect her but this is their life to live too so yeah and it's hard yeah. what you're doing is is hard and not 100% worth it seemingly yeah I liked it too and, and it brings up the idea that like these people are free to do that at Hilltop they can just walk away mm. could they do that from the Commonwealth later that's I a question that I'm think, not sure they're not I'm not sure they're asking themselves in that moment but right. they probably should be I think you're right so we'll see how that plays out uh, Lance finally tells Pamela that he can still get the other communities to sign on and Pamela thinks uh, this the whole three communities thing was his way of making a play to become a leader himself. Lance denies that was his motive. Um, and then Pamela says he can try to make it work as long as it doesn't affect his duties in the Commonwealth. So then he walks out into the woods and starts clearing. And Aaron comes up behind him and asks if they're good. Lance says, we're going to remake the fucking world, buddy. You and me, we're doing it today. That camera move where we went from behind Lance to in front of Lance with the zombie, like, I felt like they crossed the line or did something because I was disoriented, disorientated um, by that. Did you feel like, I think there's a way to do that shot that doesn't do that, but something the way they did it, I don't know. I think I was too busy making notes about how he intentionally uses a gunshot to draw a bunch of walkers in here. But earlier when they used a shotgun to kill Walker, no, they didn't yeah. even consider so that. many gun. Yeah. So many gunshots went off this episode, but he's just like, you know, one shot away from summoning a squad of zombies. Right. So I think I missed that, but no, I didn't pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Got another clear. It's all fun and games. So he starts making goat cheese. Yeah, dude. I mean, he's full on psycho, right? Like his ambition knows no bounds. He's probably going to yeah. start. He's going to be a little governor against Pamela. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, cause I, when I first watched this episode and I saw the zombie with the rope and cans tied to their waist, I'm like, Oh, that fucker. He's setting up a mini herd to try to make uh, the Alexandrians feel insecure. But that was just the Hilltops defense system. Yeah. So I was wrong about that, but like, yeah, how how long does it take before he starts sabotaging the other communities so they can't get their shit together? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. That's the end of the episode, though. All right. We have feedback. Okay. Uh, if you would like to send feedback into our show, send it into watchingdead at baldmove.com. First up is Robert says, okay, I understand The Walking Dead has been hammering into us that the biggest threat is not the walkers, it's the humans. That being said, my biggest issue with The Walking Dead is they always resort to the silent but deadly walker types sneaking up on our heroes. All the walkers still seem to be able to growl and rasp, but episode after episode we see walkers not make a single sound until they're right up upon an unsuspecting human. Like what we saw with Carol in the wine cellar episode. I know they're trying to make a walker still a threat in The Walking Dead universe, but it seems like a cheap trick they go to over and over when it doesn't make any damn sense. Walkers seem to rasp and growl even when there's no humans present. So why are they silent other than for plot purposes in random instances? It's been bugging me for years. Yeah, Dude, welcome to the last five seasons of our podcast. <laughs> preach. I will say that there is a point in 9 and 10 where that we even praised it. Like, you know what? They're doing a good job of staging scenes where zombies just don't stumble off of the, the, the screen and, rawr, and get people like you know they they had reasons for them to go into buildings places that wouldn't be cleared places with low light close quarters 
they're not doing that anymore. This is this is back to they're just go to some random corner of Georgia, uh, some some unclaimed piece of forest, and they have a person with foam rubber jump off two feet off screen and grab somebody. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know. It's easier. It's, it's just like I don't even know why did they force the zombie encounters because like there is zero yeah. excitement to them anymore. They had some exi- exciting zombie counters with some real stakes, but they're just like it's like well this is the Walking Dead. If people don't see a zombie every fifteen minutes, they're gonna fucking turn the channel. So <laughs> they've already turned the channel. What is this down yeah. to one million uh, sub one million viewers at this point? I don't. But they even got know. the hardcore zombie fans, and if they don't get their zombie fix, you know. It's True. like Baywatch. If you don't have Pamela Anderson yeah. in a one piece every 10 minutes, the boy, the, the fucking 14 year olds are going to turn the channel. I don't know. I don't know, Robert. I felt like they did. I felt like they did a better job in the early goings of the Kang era and they're back to just lazy shit. Now, maybe they can recover. We'll see. Matthew, how many more episodes of this dross? It's like watching some daytime TV drama that happens to have the occasional zombie in it. Where on earth is this heading? Is the Eugene detective stuff supposed to be funny? Princess was a reasonably interesting new character, and they've stuffed her through the normalizer machine and taken away any interesting edges. Carol honestly looks bored to still be here at this point, and I cannot believe she signed up for another spinoff of this shit. How bad is it going to be when this is the base level? This is interesting because, like, Melissa McBride is fully checked out. Seems like it. She had a what could have been a good scene with King Ezekiel, and she put the barest minimum effort. We talked about the rolling around with zombies listlessly. We talked about the zom- <laughs> the the rat scene from. A, <laughs> I'm I not don't, blaming her. Like I, I don't want to no. say like oh she's not doing her job. She's doing exactly the job that she th- that this show warrants. Let's say I I just can't believe they're giving her and Norman Reedus another three to five years sentence of this like i i don't know it's gonna be it's probably gonna be pretty bad although maybe like I, I could, there's a way that they could take this into like an adam west batman direction with one of these spinoffs and make it like deeply ironic tongue-in-cheek and if mm-hmm. if anyone does it i think it's daryl and carol Matthew continues, I mock my wife for watching things like Neighbors, which is a long-running drama from Australia that has been shown here in the UK at lunchtime for years and years. It's a soap opera, basically. This is no better. Shame on me. Please, please tell me this honestly. Is this the last series because I'm only in now because I've been in so long? I've literally been institutionalized by The Walking Dead. I mean, this series will come to an end, but it's not. Well, when he says series, I believe since he's British, he probably means season as we would say in America. So yes, this is the final season of The Walking Dead, for sure. But it's kind of not because at least two or four of the major characters are going to continue on uh, cast Tither and Yon. So I don't... Anyway. I would just uh, recommend don't start any of the spinoffs and yes, this can be your final season. This could be your stop off, yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for all your efforts in this and many of the other podcasts I enjoy. I'm off to have a hard look in the mirror. Uh, it's a never good. It's it's never a good idea to mock the wife, man. It always comes back to get you because I guarantee you we do much stupid uh, on average. We do as least as stupid, <laughs> a, a stupid shit as they do. Moving on to Christina. First of all, as always, thank you for uh, so much for your mini podcast. You've enriched my life in so many ways over the years. Listening to you both makes my workday drudgery of home maintenance, walk around at Costco so much better. Well, thank you. And most importantly, like you, I'm with the Walking Dead till the end. 
I'm especially thankful I'm not alone in this last journey. My thoughts from the last few episodes regarding the Commonwealth are this and would love to hear what you think. I don't read the comic books, me either. So I can be way off on this, but I think it seems that Pamela Milton has no clue what is actually going on in the Commonwealth. I don't think she is paying attention at all to the possible coup being led by Lance Hordensby. Lance brought the Alexander gang to use in his coup, but I think they are seeing through it and will end up on the opposite side of his plans in the end. I felt that way watching last episode. This episode, uh, I'm not so sure. I think this changed my mind on that. But it, I do see that like, well, why do you want an Eastern empire if not to like with, with it? And with Pamela said, you're just, you're always ambitious. That's your big thing. You're ambitious. Would that keep him happy for long? Right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that, the thing that I saw from her is at least she's shrewd enough to detect what's going on here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if she's powerful or shrewd enough to prevent it from happening. Um, yeah. But I, I think I'm going to be on board with watching that. I kind of want to see the power struggle there. I also think that like um, I'm starting to see a clearer path to Daryl marching on the gates of Hilltop. Like if, if it's just Maggie and some diehards and she's fucking it up for everybody else and -hmm. just like, you know, like, like Alexandria is going to fall and everyone's going to be kicked out unless Maggie and her three loyal holdouts stop squatting in the hilltop shack. I can see like, this is the way it's got to be. We're not going down for your rap. Like I, I can understand that. Uh, Nicole B writes in says Eugene's emotional breakdown scene was like a monologue to get into Gene Cosano's acting class from Barry <laughs> on HBO <laughs> after 11 seasons and zero acting Emmys we should throw some baldies at the walking dead which character wins for baldy uh, for most over the top emotional reaction a Eugene for his breakdown in the stairwell over the most obvious plot twist B Rick losing his shit at the prison and neglecting to comfort Carl Jr. While mm. Carl held his newborn sister and one hand in a smoking gun he used to shoot his mom in the face and the other or C the tie win for Lori V. Andrea and the real housewives of the farmhouse cat fight. Uh, I, I like a, a D a Lauren Cohen for pre- remembering to care about her sister yep. dying because <laughs> someone who goes from zero to 60 in acting like I, I always, I think that's hilarious because she really pulled out all the stops and had put in all this. She put in, she pulled out all the stops that she'd put in throughout the whole season. Mm-hmm. And that one thirty second scene where she just lost her shit. Yeah. About Doodlebug. I mean, I have to say, I in none of those scenes did I laugh more than when Eugene had his breakdown. I was just cackling the whole time because it was just bad yeah. and stupid and he's dumb yeah. and I love to see him in pain in that moment because he's been so stupid. That might take it's the like cake watch, for it's, me. It's like watching Arby's beef and cheese, beef and cheddar sandwich cry, you know, <laughs> right. like, what? come on, you're going to get your onion bung all, all <laughs> your Arby's sauce is leaking, dude. Right. I mean, you already weren't good to start with. No one wants you now. You're all wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You drop a beef and cheese in the pond. It's just right? like, you just leave it for, you know, you don't fish it out. No. The ducks don't even want that shit. <laughs> Do you have a, a Baldy submission for most over-the-top emotional reaction on a show? Uh, no, not a, not an additional one. I think option A there with Eugene is my 
my uh, winner for sure. I also like uh, I also like uh, uh, Doctor Jenner in season one. Remember, he had a couple of oh, those lines yeah. where he just started shouting everything for no good reason. Yeah, did he know? get drunk? Was that the thing? Maybe I just remember a lot of like William Shatner esque. You know, do you know anything about brain stems or and complex neurological diseases or whatever the fuck he was saying? I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, you can't Thank really you, know Shane's reaction to to the barn, right? Because like his "What is this?" <laughs> what is, is like this? classic, but it's so warranted. It's like yeah. this is yeah. crazy shit you're doing. That is here. a man losing his shit, and it's entirely like catch. Yeah, it's like catching a uh, kids doing a bunch of stupid shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and right. He was Playing the dad. with lighters and gasoline behind the shed or some shit ex- ex- in, in, in a hay barn, which I still have scars from. Kate from Melbourne. I'm looking forward to hearing you guys discuss this episode. You two brought me back from giving up on the show completely. Oh, no. Uh, I, I speaking. I, I can't live the guilt. I'm like Eugene realizing all the consequences of my action. What an asshole I was. Uh, this might have been the longest hour of television I've sat through in a while. And reminder, wow. this is dude, people are talking about the gumshoe episode with uh, Eugene. Uh, okay. These are all in arrears. Yeah. Not only do I have no interest in Eugene as a focus of the episode, his dialogue felt more stilted and ham fisted than ever before. The scenes with Connie were such a welcome relief from the rest of the episode. There were actually moments that I thought bordered on camp or satire. The re- reveal of Eugene's murder wall, the wide-eyed, sweaty conversation between him and Princess in front of it, the conversation <laughs> between Eugene and that quaffed dude from the Commonwealth. I have well and truly yeah. given up on learning everyone's names. Here, here, uh, Kate. And the reveal of the real Stephanie. Jesus Christ. Separating the final season and the three is actually making it hard to watch as a casual viewer. I keep thinking, didn't we figure out decoy Stephanie last season? It's happened with a few other things this far, thus far too, like Ezekiel's illness. Didn't they give us life-threatening well, diagnosis like three seasons ago? That's the Perhaps thing we just- did. We figured that out pretty very easily. It was obvious that this wasn't the, the de- real they, Stephanie, but Eugene the, didn't. Yeah. Know. They fucked up some kind of casting thing, mentioning a decoy Stephanie, which ruined the the twist. Not that it was much of a twist, but right. like, yeah, this we knew this because they fucked up the marketing. Uh, you know, just like we just found out that hey, Negan and Maggie gonna be a okay, right? They're they're gonna be all right. Uh, so yeah, um, the the Zico thing, yeah, I felt, yeah, I I've. I it this seems like and and this is just because it's been stretched out over the course of three years. But like I think in real showtime, there's only been a couple of weeks elapsed since they found the Commonwealth. But, you know, like, yeah, that tumor should have killed him. Seems like I can't but but feel the Commonwealth could have been better setting for one of the million spinoff shows they're creating uh, and not for the main cast. I can't believe the same show that had me on the edge of my seat when Rick was in the RV and Negan screwed and boxed in with the roadblocks is now trying to make me care about some missing woman, Eugene's sci-fi novel and his apparent skills at sketching an endless supply of yarn in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, Did this episode just catch me in a bad mood or am I missing something? No, it's uh. And it might round into a better shape by the end of the season, but I, I do think the walking dead is floundering a bit right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoy your podcast, especially on the walking dead says Josh L ScreenRant.com recently published an article on February 21st about how Andrew Lincoln was cited taking photos with Norman Reedus and fans and none other than Georgia in late 2021. He was still in, in the UK with his family. As of today, March 8th, the filming of the final episode has officially begun. 
Of course, I have no doubt that Andrew would want to be present for the filming of his final the final episodes. Yeah. However, it does raise an obvious question. Will Rick Grimes be back on our TV screens before the series is over? If not, how would the series end? I mean, that seems like a very AMC thing to do. Bring him back for the final episode, like the, as a teaser for the movie. Yeah, he's going to be locked in an A wagon or yeah. like unconscious in the back of it. Because like this is their last opportunity to draw as many people's attention to the fact that, hey, 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 they're still walking dead. Right. And what better way to kick off a three movie Rick trilogy than to get the 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 opening hook out into the final episode. Especially since it's, it's something bad must happen because Negan and Maggie are fucking off together. Mm-hmm. Daryl and Carol are fucking off together. Like, I don't think that are they? I thought we there don't was really no uh, like they could stay in the Commonwealth. It's not impossible. Mm. That might be the spinoff yeah. in the Commonwealth. Maybe they're going to be a Commonwealth PD and it's uh, it's just cops but Daryl and and Carol rolling around responding to zombies and yeah. see I'm saying that it, could, like it, the satire man right right we'll see finally Mike C says keeping it short and sweet because I'm sure I'm not the only one to point this out but in the comics the Commonwealth is canonically located in or at least very near Cleveland Ohio and the show Stephanie over to radio blurts out that her group is based in Charlton West Virginia in season 10 episode 11. This is separate from the location that she later agrees to meet him. It's weird because a lot of online info seems to have this wrong. Walking Dead Wikia, for example. I had no idea. I was fighting. Like someone said, like, hey, I noticed that the the wine crates that Carol were all stamped with Ohio on. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's just got to be some kind of production bullshit. But no, apparently, which is a long fucking like it's. I don't know. How long is it from Alexandria, D.C. to uh, Ohio? Uh, DC on to... roads that are barely roads in horse-drawn right. carriages. A long yeah, they're time. choked with with with. Um, apparently, it's uh, three hundred eight miles. So I guess that's a long trip, but it's something that Eugene and company could make. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not that's that's not terrible. Um, you you can make that in a week or so, probably quicker if you if you had the. The vehicles for it. So, yeah, thanks for pointing it out to us, Mike. I am now visually recalibrating my systems to uh, the Commonwealth being centered in Cleveland. What so means they're right there on Lake Erie. They're already not landlocked. True. That's, of course, I I guess you can't get out to the ocean from there because that that all relies on locks, a system of locks. And those got to be all, all kinds of fucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or under control of some hostile force. Sure. Um. That does it for feedback this week. If you'd like to send us more, watching dead at baldmove.com, we'd be happy to read it. Uh, next week, we'll, we'll we'll see what our intrepid adventures survivors have for us in store. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you next week, everybody. Later. Later.